You're listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. This is Jimmy Miller, an associate editor with Lawn and Landscape Magazine. This time last year, I was preparing to go to my first national collegiate landscape competition. I wasn't going as a competitor. I was going as a spectator to see what the future of the industry could do in various events that tested their skills across all segments of the industry. But then COVID-19 shut down everything, including the event, which quickly pivoted to a two-day virtual educational program. Jennifer Myers remembers this well. As the Senior Director of Workforce Development with the National Association of Landscape Professionals, she was among the team that had to make the difficult choice to cancel NCLC. But this week, with a full year since the pandemic began, NCLC launches its virtual competition for 2021. We caught up with Jen this month to see what the event would look like online. First things first, I want to ask you, how many NCLC competitions do you think you've been to over the years? Oh my. So I went as a student for the first time in 1999, and so I haven't been straight through all those years, but um, I have been, oh my gosh, I think this is number 18 for me. Okay. All right. And what made you fall Uh, in love with it? Well, I think, you know, going as a, you know, so I went to Virginia Tech. I studied horticulture. It's a huge university. Really, everything ag is kind of on one side of campus and everything else is on the other side. And, you know, Tech's a big engineering school and and um, architecture and a lot of other majors. And, you know, studying horticulture, you kind of, you just, you know, it's a smaller major. You just weren't sure. And, you know, you plug it along. And, but then, um, you know, the faculty at the time said, you know, we had this, there's this big event coming up. And at that time, it was Alpha Student Career Days. And they said, you know, we should, you know, it's the University of Kentucky. We're taking this team. Here's the events. And I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And uh, traveled with a team of 40 students and three faculty members down um, eight-hour bus ride to Lexington, Kentucky for it. And, you know, the first day when I walked in to opening ceremonies and saw you know, all these other students from all these other schools that are studying what I was studying, it just kind of gave me that validation that I, you know, wasn't, that our school wasn't alone and I wasn't alone in in choosing this major. And, you know, that felt good. And, you know, that you're kind of with the the best of the best of these students from around the country coming to compete and network. And then from there going to the career fair and seeing all these industry professionals that are doing what I want to do that have taken that step, you know, out of whether they went to school or not, uh, or to college or not, you know, stepping into industry. And, you know, you had people there that had been in the industry five years and then people that had been in the industry 25 years. So you have this great range of people that are doing what you want to do, um, for both a short and a long time. So you're feeling like there's options there, but there's longevity as well. Was that your favorite trip? Was that that very first time? I think so, but I think every year it becomes my favorite, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny, you know, I, the, the women that I roomed with that year, I'm still very close, um, to most of them. Um, and in fact, one, um, works for Arlington National Cemetery and we work with her every year and we do R&R mm-hmm. at Arlington. So, um, but it's, you know, it just really brought us together, I think, as a, a team and a program. You know, you always know people better once you travel with them, right? And uh, I remember we came in fourth that year, um, and it, it, I, 
I competed in annual and perennial ID and it was, I mean, it was just fantastic. And so I, uh, after I graduated, the company I was working for went to the event every year. So I was able to travel to, um, to Colorado and then to Illinois and then to Mississippi and then to Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) And then I know it's crazy. It probably sounds a bit psycho that I remember all those. And the faculty member there, I knew well, because I recruited a lot from there. And he said, hey, you know, we're looking for someone uh, local to help wrangle the volunteers. And we figure we're going to need 150 to 200 volunteers to pull this off. You know, you're an organized, detailed person. Do you want to do this? And I said, sure. It was a good way to give back. It was not paid. It was, you know, giving back to the school and the industry and the event. And during that event in 2005, I met Jim McCutcheon. And he was the current chair of, chairperson of the event on behalf of uh, ALCA. And so he said, you know, do you, or maybe been planning at that time. It was very, that's I think when the transition was happening. Mm-hmm. So he said, hey, we're looking for a person, another person to chair this event, take over for me. We would love to have somebody that went to this event as a student that loves this event. What do you think? So I said yes, and so I was in the chairperson role from in training under him through 2006 through 2010, and was able to you know travel and help plan those events and be on site for those events and you know speak during opening and closing. You know my first time in front of a group of a thousand plus people, and um, it, there are people that I met students that I met during those years that are now faculty themselves or own their own business or, you know, at at a great point in their career in the industry that I get still get to work with every day, still get to work with on this event. And, you know, it just, it just kind of goes on and on. Obviously you're, you know, when you go as a team uh, or as an individual, like you're, you're going to win. Um, But I get the impression, you know, you want to go and win, but really, this is a great networking opportunity. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we say a lot, you know, you don't truly understand it until you go. <laughs> as much as you can read about it and watch videos and hear from people, you've got to go. Not getting it until you go is because of that networking component that's hard to um, get into words. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And you know, we can, we can say we've got this many competitions and we've got this many career fair companies coming and this many workshops and this and that, but we just say that networking is awesome. Um, but how do you quantify that? You know? And so when you can actually get there and see that and feel that and make those connections, it's then people are like, Oh, <laughs> you know, this is what you're, this is what you're talking about. Right. Right. You know, every year with the groups that we have, um, the largest group of attendees is always students right so we, we also have a lot of faculty we have a lot of industry professionals our partners manufacturers supply chain folks but always the largest attending group of students and so i think that's also very powerful you know they're coming to an event a lot of and a lot of these students it's the first time they're traveling um maybe out of their state or out of their region um first time traveling with their team um and they come to this and they're newbies, but they're in the majority. Yeah. And I think that's just a, a unique situation. So there's there's already a comfort level whether they realize it or not. 
Sure. Now, take me through last year. Like, what's going through your head about this time last year, um, you know, early March, where things just started looking pretty bleak? Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to revisit that, <laughs> but, I, but I will. Um, it was awful. It, it really was. I mean, any school that has helped plan this as our partner and, and any one of our, par- our, uh, our, our event sponsors or workshop sponsors that – you know, we start connecting um, years in advance um, with the school to figure out where we're going to go and what that's going to look like and put holds on facilities and hotels. And and then, you know, with the um, for the immediate year, we start planning in, you know, with a summer state visit and then planning in October, November, December. So, um, you know, and it wasn't even on our radar, right, when this all started in middle of, of 2019 and, and into the fall then and um, and then we, uh, got into early 2020 and still full speed ahead. And I, uh, we do a, a winter vacation every year around the end of February for my daughter's birthday. And, you know, it's NCLC season, so it's not much of a vacation for me. I'm mostly working, <laughs> but it is, I think it's always good to get away. Right. Yeah. So I just, I remember being up in Lake Placid and, um, someone on our team just kind of sent an email around to the, the folks working on this and said, Hey. I don't want to be an alarmist, but I'm a little worried about this COVID thing. And uh, we were like, yeah, let's just keep our eye on it. And yeah. this was February 25th. Let's keep our eye on it. And then March 1st to the 3rd, we had our workforce summit. And we had everyone in D.C. And we we're, you know, hanging out and hugging and spending time together. And uh, um, my friend Ashley Rapp acres group stood up during a discussion on march 3rd and said you know hey should we talk about this covid thing this coronavirus thing is this going to be an issue and nobody wanted to talk about it everyone's like nope let's focus on something important well i don't (laughs) think anybody had any idea the scope of what was coming yeah we still talk about that you know this has kind of become this joke right that that nobody thought it was a real situation then somebody else or Ashley, it might have been Ashley or somebody else raised it again. They said, I think we should talk about this. And then we had a representative from Gatina Landscape Management out in San Francisco. And they said, well, we've already got some cases in California. And uh, we've got, you know, kind of a plan together. We're happy to share with whoever would like it. And people said, yeah, I, I'm interested. But it, still, it wasn't a priority. March 3rd. March 13th, my daughter's school goes virtual. Yeah. 10 days and I know everybody you know that's has kind of lived through this right and and remembers those days and um we were supposed to be on site at Michigan State on March 16th we canceled the event on March 11th so March 3rd not an issue March 11th we're canceling it right and and that was the same day that the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic and that really was the trigger yeah right yeah. that we needed to, to make that change. And, you know, we also thought, thought through, it's just not, you know, the thought of bringing all these kids from all over the country to a central location and then potentially sending them home to impact their own communities was not something we wanted to be no. part of. It was tough because we, there were still a lot of people that couldn't understand why it was being canceled. I think it just seemed so surreal to people at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was it was only in a few places at that point. It was only in a handful of states, Michigan being one of them, and uh, and Maryland, where I live, being one of them. And I think, you know, just like anything else, if it doesn't hit your community, sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around. Right. And at that point, it was not widespread. 
And then from there, it just, you know, went crazy. And, you know, we, we had done all the work and we had very little time to pivot because schools were getting out soon. Right. And so we kind of put together what we could at the time, which is a kind of a career fair um, and workshop um, event. And we were very lucky to have so many partners that wanted to chip in for that and, yeah. and students that still wanted to come. But it was tough because a lot of the students were in a place of um, uncertainty, just like everyone else. You know, like what is happening? Is is school even important anymore? You right, know? yeah. And this whole range of emotions, like why go to this career fair when I don't even know what's going to happen in two days, you know? And so it was, it was hard and, and we didn't know if our industry was going to be essential, right? There's just so much uncertainty and, and we, we kind of got through it. And then, you know, this year we were supposed to be at Virginia Tech, which is my alma mater, their first time hosting. And we tried to stay positive, <laughs> all, you know, all through the summer. We did go down and do a socially distant site visit to prepare, and and we so wanted it to happen. But, you know, we had to make a decision um, in the fall, pre-vaccine, and, and knowing, you know, most of the schools have uh, limits on travel within their state or even their county. Right. Um, and it's just, just, again, just too much uncertainty. And so we made the chance to, the, uh, the, the call to go virtual and we really didn't know what to expect, you know, or, or, or the students all zoomed out, Google meet it out, Microsoft teamed out or, you know, are are they going to show up? Um, do the partners want to put in the time to do something virtual, which is way more work <laughs> in person. Um, is it even worth it? And the thought was, we don't want to go two years, you know, without an in-person or even a year without something. Right. You know, like we have to keep this going because while the faculty, for the most part, you know, are, are the same faculty that are coming every year, a lot of the same industry people come every year, the students are always changing. If we have a break, do we lose that continuity, you know, with those students? You know, what can we do to keep it going? And so we made the the call um but we, we just didn't know i was hearing from a lot of faculty that i don't think i can get a team together yeah and we really just made the call we're like we're doing it <laughs> and we just got to believe it's gonna work and thankfully once the news came out about the vaccine or vaccines um and we got into the new year it's like someone flipped a switch and you know, it's before it, we were kind of going down this long, dark tunnel with no light at the end. And I feel now, even if it's tiny, <laughs> it's still very <laughs> far away. There at least is a light, right? Right. Like you have hope that we will get to start traveling again and and be together. It and seems like we're getting closer to that point. Yeah. 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 And I luckily, I think that kind of lines up with the time when people were registering for this event. So it's helped drive that. And I can tell you this hot off the press numbers, you know, we were hoping to get between 300 and 400 students. Um, typically in person, we have about 850. Okay. The large number. So we were hoping to get 300, 400. Um, as of today, we're at 531 students. So this by far exceeded what we hope to have um, participate in this event. We've got 35 schools as of right now yeah. and 90, 91 faculty that are joining us. And so we are elated with um, those numbers and that participation. And you know, I think 
one benefit of going virtual is any student from any program can come. Whereas in person, you're, you have some budget limitations a lot of times. Right. And uh, I actually had a school sign up yesterday that's bringing 57 students. Oh, wow. <laughs> that. And, you know, typically in person, they bring closer to 10. Yeah, I can't and, imagine flying or driving 57 students. Yeah, yeah. This is not possible. I mean, I didn't even realize her program was that big. And she said, yeah, she said, we don't have any of that, you know, any of those limitations this year. It's really just them putting in the time. And, and so in, in their case, the students were jumping all over it because they could go this year. Right. Um, and that's phenomenal. And then we have the same with um, the career fair companies. So we had hoped to get around 50 companies. Um with our, our partners included, um, we're like closer to 75. And uh, how, how does that 75 compare to most years? Um, we have about 110 to 120. And what we have really seen over the last year is virtual is kind of like half of in-person. That's how it kind of tends to go. And we're over that. We're two-thirds of in-person. So we're <laughs> pretty good about that. But um, we have a, an NALP member company from Guam that is joining the career fair this year. In an in-person regular year, that's not realistic for them to come, you know, to that. Um, but this year, virtual, it is. And right. so, and then we have a lot of new career fair companies, like folks that have never come to NCLC, and maybe it was it was a lot for them to, you know, put in the the time um, and the money, um, especially during the start of the spring season, to come to something that they didn't know if it would be worth it. Um, now they can come. And so that's been really excited, exciting to welcome these new companies this year. Right. Can you kind of take me through the competitive element of this? Like, I, I understand loosely how it will work, but um, just for somebody who doesn't, like a like a listener who's tuning in, who doesn't really understand how can this how like how can you do this virtually? Yep. So, so in person we typically have about thirty competitive events. They're all physical, um, but that physical part is anything from writing answers on a piece of paper to drawing a design um, to being on the computer and doing um, CAD design um, to running equipment uh, to laying out pavers. But there's also some physical components. So what we did is back in the fall, we looked at those 30 events and said, what can we move virtual? And there were some that were, you know, made total sense. Like the ones I, like the writing on paper for a test, you just moved to an online test. Sure. Um, the, the computer or the CAD ones, they're just doing from their own computer instead of a computer at on campus, on site, right? Um, at the host school for the event. So right. those were easy. And we got to a good point with those but then you know the a lot of the equipment ones were not going to happen but then um we took another look and for several events we have a qualifier test and what that is is an online test that we do on campus to kind of whittle down the group of attendees so we have a you know we might have 60 students take the qualifier but only 40 get through to actually do the physical part okay and so in talking with the faculty this year and some of the, the sponsors and partners, they said, well, hey, what if we just make the qualifier the event this year? Um, because it's online and we, we can make it work. And that way we still have exposure and it's still a learning experience for the students. Um, and we'll do it that way. And so I, I proposed that 
to all the qualifiers and all but one said, absolutely, we'll do it. So um, with that, we were able to get 21 of the 30 um, events represented this year. Wow. Okay. Which we were thrilled with. And um, we're calling them challenges this year. And that's because everyone that's available is an individual challenge. Um, not It's not with a team. You're doing it yourself. And then everything is honor system this year because realistically we can't control the, you know how people are or where they're taking it. And, you know, if they're doing Woody ID and they have a Durr's Woody ID manual next to them while they're taking you know, we would yeah. hope they wouldn't, um, but they're, they're on our system. So they're not rolling up to a team score. They're just individual scores and it's still great. You know, they can still challenge themselves. We will still rank them based on how they've done. Um, but I think there's a, a little, you know, positive of not rolling up to a team score is, you know, when we do that, there's a lot of pressure to do your best and not let your team down, which is a, a really good experience and a great life lesson um but we thought with everything that's gone on the last year if you know there was that not that pressure of letting your team down and you could just take the challenge to, to test yourself and your knowledge yeah and and learn even if you don't know it well you could still take it to learn what you do need to know right right and so that's how we um set it up this year and um you know, 14 of the 21 are open to any student that wants to take it. So any of those 531 students can log in, and if they want to do Woody ID, they can. Wow. They can go on and do that. And I, I think that whole message of um, doing as many as you want and learning as much as you can is a great message for anyone that wants to be an, a landscape professional because all these different components of all these different areas and services that are represented in this event, um, you know, it's the average person I don't think quite understands the amount of knowledge that a landscape professional needs to have across so many different, um, areas. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think this event is a, is a good representation of that for young people and, you know, helps them understand and, you know, kind of challenge themselves and learn across all those different areas. You know, one of the things we talked about earlier was like that, you know, the camaraderie element to it all, right? <laughs> Um, how are you guys maintaining that, um, you know, as best you can, like people are zoomed out, like you said, it, it kind of seems like, you know, in that respect, you're facing an uphill climb. Yeah, there's, there's no um, easy answer to that or, or, you know, steadfast plan for that. Um, you know, all these, this event has so many different people from so many different parts of the country in Canada and, um, Everyone's on a different schedule, different time zones, different classes, that type of thing. So the event is designed for people to do it on their own time. Um, for the challenges, we do have, excuse me, five a day between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. So they do need to manage that and make sure they're getting the events in or the challenges in during those days when they're offered. Yeah. But other than that, that's pretty open and on demand. Now, that being said, you know, we've talked about trying to have some type of networking element, but again, you know, you can't just pick a time and say, everybody come here and let's hang out because everyone's on a different schedule. And, and with virtual events, you know, people are still doing their regular job or their regular schooling, their regular life, and they do the virtual event. Right. It's not like in person where you drop everything <laughs> and, come, and come to the in-person event. 
So we understand that people are fitting this into their existing schedule and I wanted to be mindful of that. Um, that being said, we do, the system we're using has um, what are called tags in it. And when you get into the system, you can set kind of personal and professional tags for yourself, um, which is, you know, kind of the services that you're interested in or things you like to do in your personal life, like hobbies or that type of thing. And then we have filters set up in the system so you can narrow down and try to find people that are like-minded. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And then we have all over the page, we have comment sections. So kind of similar to like your your Facebook or Instagram where you can you can leave a comment and you can see who's commented and, and um, you can kind of engage that way. Um, and then we have a, we have a couple different, um, other opportunities for folks to, you know, kind of connect, uh, but trying to do some type of formal, you know, meeting or reception type thing in a platform when everyone's on a different schedule is just not feasible. Now, Jen, this is, this is my last question for you. Um, thank you again for carving out the time regarding the virtual offering component to this do you see you know really kind of relating it to conversations we've had in the past um do you see some of these elements sticking around beyond this year like is there something that you know we can glean from this and apply to future nclc competition um i absolutely think so um you know for this particular event like we just talked about that this kind of budget limitations for schools to not be able to bring as many students as they would like um, or some of our members uh, not being able to come to the career fair you know for whatever reason you know can we have some type of online component that welcomes more people and what does that look like um, you know I think about the workshops that we do in person you know how easily can we record and share those um, do we you know for the career fair, do we have an in-person and a virtual option? So that way students that can visit virtually as well as employers. And what does that look like? Um, do we stretch this out to multiple times a year and have the in-person in March and a virtual at other times during the year? And I think it's definitely something to think about. Um, and, uh, you know, once you've got something under your belt, it's always easier <laughs> to, right. you know, to, to justify it and make it happen. And, and I think that will happen with some of our other events as well, because um, we have kind of the same situation with our annual meeting uh, with landscapes, because, you know, companies send a handful of people, but there's, you know, more people back um, at home that would still benefit from all of the education. So, yeah, it's I don't I don't know what that looks like yet, but I I do know that that'll be part of our conversation moving forward. Thanks for listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. This was Jimmy Miller, and we'll catch you next time.